back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zones. I'm M. Yay. I did, did it. it. Did one it. take, one take. It was awesome. I'm Anna. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Shelf Aware, we are covering the second book in my unit on movie novelizations with a movie mm-hmm. book that neither M nor I have seen. Um probably it's probably okay that we haven't seen it's it it's probably okay I it's feel a like. real white dude movie <laughs> <laughs> uh we read braveheart by randall wallace mm-hmm. who also wrote the screenplay for the movie braveheart starring mel gibson so em what do you think of this one <laughs> um okay so hmm hmm it wasn't, it definitely wasn't my cup of tea, mm-hmm. but I mean, like, I think we kind of knew that going in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, like, I didn't know the full plot of Braveheart. I knew it was based on William Wallace somewhat erroneously because that isn't the name that William Wallace is known. Like, uh, Braveheart, the nickname is actually the nickname for uh, Robert the Bruce, who is a different character in this. Like, oh shit i didn't know that yeah 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 <laughs> um but weird but this is about william wallace um so i was like i mean i generally know the vibe here uh-huh and i'm down for a good tragedy that leads to an uprising like you know which i knew this was what that was about um there was just so much boring stuff though is the thing yes and i kept trying to look at this from like the lens of like a movie And Mm -hmm. I think some of it, I can very clearly see how this works as a film. And it's interesting because I do. The chapters are clearly broken up by the scene of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And there's like certain things where I'm like, if this was just a book, like if this had gone the other way, if this was a movie that was based on this book, I would be like, this is a weird way to write this book because like certain characters get scenes in their perspective that doesn't really make sense but it's like okay well we had that scene in the movie so it has to be in someone's perspective right yes yeah so like I it was interesting from that aspect of trying to like meta it out and be like okay how does this translate from a movie into this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the actual plot I was I didn't I didn't need this in my life um I I agree I think as a book this definitely reads more like a book than Clue did, which was mostly yes. dialogue. Yes, that's true. I think we get the benefit of, like, this is the screenwriter, so he clearly has an image of what he wants to transpire on mm-hmm. film. And so we get a lot of, like, character interior. We get a lot of, like, just, like, set dressing and stuff like mm-hmm. that that we didn't get in the Clue book. Um, but, yeah, like, for the story, I just – I didn't care. I didn't give a shit about the story at all. Like, <laughs> sorry. Sorry for any, like, huge Braveheart fans out there. I feel like it hits a lot of notes of stories that I do generally not like. I feel like we talked about this with the Highland romance thing where I do feel that for a very specific brand of white person, Mm -hmm. they tend to gravitate towards this the Highlands and Scotland and the conflict with the Brits. Mm hmm. Because it's like, oh, white people can be oppressed too. So I can write an oppression story. Yes. 
and I get that, but also I'm like, I don't know, because it's it's almost never Scottish people writing these stories. Mm-hmm. It's always white American. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's very weird. It's very weird. This thing we've done. It's like oppression light, you know, like those. Yeah. those like you were almost there. You were so close. <laughs> it's like they're like, well, I want to write about like a slave uprising or something, but I can't because I yes. shouldn't. So at least I have that awareness so I'll just write about Scotland and use the especially in this book like the language in this book is so like it's so romanticized it's isn't so it? romanticized it's yeah. so anti-historical like it's not like the nationalism of this book is not how nations were conceived of at this time like mm. the the idea of someone being like a strong Scottish Scottish nationalist like this was not how like Nationalism wasn't a thing in the 1300s. (laughs) Or 1200s, I think, even. It's uh, 1300s by the end of it. Okay, okay. Yeah, because 1305, I think, is the last There is no, like, concept of how much time passes for this entire thing. And it might be more obvious in a movie, like, if you can Mm. see people age, but... mm. Or put a date up on the screen or something. I don't know, but I 100% agree, because there are a lot of times when I was like... Okay, we've moved from this scene to that scene, and I get how that would work in a movie, but I have no concept of how this character got here, and I don't know how much time has passed, which I feel Mm -hmm. like is a thing that is more forgivable in a movie where you're Mm -hmm. not... um, You get more visual cues. You get more visual cues, right. A different season. Right, right, right. Their clothes are changed. Yeah, right. Where this, I was like, is this taking place in the course of, like, two months? Is this taking (laughs) place in the course of, like, 12 years? Yeah. Not sure. Yes. Um, Yeah, I think the only, like time frame we get is like he and he and Murren were married for like six weeks yeah and we get we know that some of the stuff happened when he was a child and then he's older yeah we don't know how much older right it was it was definitely a book not for me I am glad I do I know now what this movie is about Mm -hmm. I feel like that lends me some authority (laughs) like I'm like oh yeah Braveheart I know all about it Did you read the book, actually? Did you read the book, though? Mm. Ooh, I guess you're not as big of a Braveheart fan. (laughs) And it's interesting um, also because this this is such a meta situation, right, of we have this book, which we have now read and theoretically gives us a certain authority on, like, the subject of Braveheart, right, Uh uh and William Wallace. But as I mentioned, this is incredibly not accurate. Then there is the actual historical evidence of William Wallace, which is like a different narrative, um, which overlaps in some places. There's the movie Braveheart, which overlaps with this narrative, but presumably leaves stuff out or and includes yeah. other stuff, like maybe understanding time. Yeah. Um, and I'm never going to know because I'm not going to watch them. And we're never going to know. And then also <laughs> there is like a poem that most of the like legend of William Wallace is kind of derived from that mm-hmm. was not written at the same time. It was not like uh, contemporary to William Wallace. It was like several centuries after. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what like the whole wife of William Wallace storyline is from. Um, so that's not really historical, but then it's, oh. so it's kind of like this book is kind of based this on that really poem. Like a mashup. I know. It's just such a fucking mess. And then like the also. The most ambitious crossover of our time. <laughs> right. Right. So we've got like the historical facts of William Wallace, which are very few. And then we have the poem that is older than now, but is still 
not contemporary to William Wallace, which has like its own mythology, like very Robin Hood, right? Of like, there might've been a real guy who, you know, was Robin of Loxley, but also we have all these like ballads about him and whatever. And the fictionalized ballad version is different than any historical uh, Robin Hood would have been, right? So uh-huh. it's the same thing with William Wallace, where it's like, there's this ballad version of William Wallace that is not the same thing as the historical William Wallace. And then we have the book version of William Wallace, who's different from those other two, but overlaps in both of them in different ways. And then we have Mel Gibson. <laughs> then we have Mel Gibson. Gibson. It's like just so confusing. Yes. So um, now that we know, you've told us a little bit about Braveheart's history, maybe contentious, mm. possibly. What about what about movie novelizations? What you got? What an excellent question, Anna. <laughs> Glad I asked. <laughs> um, cool. So there are basically three different kind of ways that um, movies and books can coexist right you have the book that is later adapted into a movie which is not what we're talking about um and you have movie tie-ins such as like the star wars books that are coming out now and things like that which are set in the same universe and uh relate to the characters usually but are not the book the exact like beat down of the movie officially licensed fanfic yes exactly (laughs) and then you have movie novelizations which uh from what i can find the first one was in 1933 with the film king kong um which got a novelization which are books that directly tell the plot of the movie usually not written by the uh, screenplay author, although in this case it was, mm-hmm. um, and usually they are based not on the actual movie but on the screenplay. So it's kind of interesting because you have a source material, which is the screenplay, which then gets adapted into two different directions, film and a book. Mm. So you've got three kind of different uh, uh, iterations here, one of which generally is not ever consumed by the public, but then you have the two other Sad. that are. Uh, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I guess if you want to go find the screenplay for stuff, you can, but they're not like publicly sold, um, typically. The 70s and 80s is kind of when we saw this boom of movie novelizations um, where there's this like increase in movies that are doing marketing, right? Like, not that marketing didn't exist before this, but like if you think of. 70s 80s you can think of like everything has the this is where we start seeing the movie franchise idea right Mm, of like mm -hmm. you make a movie and you sell products related to that movie right oh yeah so it's not necessarily like interaction figures exactly so it's not necessarily like an art which is perhaps why movie novelizations are generally not considered high art because they're kind of a part of this like attempt to get as much um what's the word i'm looking for merchandise out there as possible mm-hmm. um and 70s 80s you didn't have as quick a turnaround for home video and in some cases like no home video at all right right so it would be a lot easier to just go get the book and reread your favorite story rather than you know if you go and see alien or whatever and you really like it you can go back to the theater and see it a million times or you can buy the movie novelization, right? So it's kind of like a precursor to like a DVD. I just love that idea. Like, I know, right? I really like, enjoyed like, this movie in theater. Better go get the I book need to so I can it. relive it. <laughs> and it's they still exist today. Uh, but obviously, like I said, like they don't really have kind of the um, 
cash, I guess, that other literature does. Like, it is considered, like, pop lit, right? It's mm. it's uh, meant to be appealing to the masses. But then they have also, like, you don't really see them as much. Like, they still exist. People still write them. But you don't really see them marketed as much, I guess, because we have kind of that, like, fairly quick turnaround high accessibility yes. to just watch the movie again right yes you can just sit on your couch and order it to your tv mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which i don't know i kind of like i'm kind of i'm enjoying this unit because i think it's interesting like how you go from just like looking at a screenplay which is oftentimes just like bare bones like dialogue with some direction for like mm-hmm. you know to understand motivation or like the location and stuff a little bit but like to then to go around and turn that into an actual novel like I think that's pretty impressive to be honest yeah, absolutely and I find it like really interesting in the same way that I find like fairy tale retellings interesting where like you said you're given this sort of like few points that don't that are very much specific to a different medium right because like fairy tales are oral tradition and that has different um, uh, standards and tropes than written literature does. Mm-hmm. So again, you're taking this thing that is intended for one medium and making it fit into a different medium. And I think that's really interesting to look at how that happens and what the process is. Um, that being said, I also am kind of like, yeah, but I still would probably just watch the movie. Right? It takes a lot less time. <laughs> <laughs> like half the time. Right. And I mean, I... It, I would say that in general, so far, it seems that if I liked a movie and wanted to read a book of it, I would rather read a novelization than a book it was based on, I think. Does that make sense? Like, I'd rather it go in that order than the other way around. Yes. Because usually book to movie, a lot of stuff gets cut, and movie to book, it's like, well, it's just, it's, it's all there, but we're just going to add some some Add some flavor. Thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I would be interested to in like looking at video game novelizations mm. because that's that is actually going to save you a lot of time depending on the video game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that must be get interesting too with like video games in which choice matters if they have like novelizations oh, of that because yeah, you would yeah. have to unless you did a choose your own adventure book, you would have to like decide <laughs> on which outcome you're going with, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. What is the canon ending to this? Yeah, game? yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had that with Clue. What is the canon ending to Clue? True. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if like Divinity was <laughs> novelized and they had to go through every single character's endings. <laughs> it would probably just be six different novels. That makes more right? sense. <laughs> that does make more sense. But what if I wanted one massive bind up? <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could get a boxed edition. There you go. <laughs> the Divinity box set. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, thanks for that. Really well researched. Really super, definitely researched thing. it ahead of time. Didn't forget about it until right now. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100% <laughs> on top of it. Amazing. <laughs> what else have you been reading? Um, I have read a couple short ones going into this. Mm-hmm. I read a novella that I have had sitting on my shelf for a little while called And What Can We Offer You Tonight by Premi Muhammad, mm. which is about a future city 
and a woman who works as a courtesan in this future city and then her friend gets murdered but then comes back to life and is like going to take revenge on everybody um interesting that's, so that's fun that yeah a fun read. <laughs> uh and then i also read a graphic novel um which has based on Hades Persephone because I'm trash called Persephone Hades Torment by Alison Shaw, which was interesting. It got a little hornier than I was expecting, but you know, oh, okay. we're here for it. Surprise um, but it was spice. Cute. It was it was cute with some surprise spice. I mean, probably not surprise spice if I had like actually paid attention before reading it. I was just like, <laughs> I you know. Um, how about you? What have you been reading? I really got. So I'm reading a good book and then I'm reading a, I read a series I'm kind of embarrassed to talk about just Uh because like, I don't know, the covers are absolutely trash. The series, the, the, the title of the series is very bad too. It's a dark romance series Mm -hmm. in which the female lead is a serial killer who is basically like killing people to get revenge against some crimes that were committed against her. It's called, (laughs) it's called the Mindfuck series. I just... Yeah, I can see why you're you're a little hesitant on that one. The mind but, you know, series. You and know. the cover of like the bind up of all five of the of the novels together is like a Twilight parody mm. kind of because she's holding the apple in her hands, but it's got all these knives or nails um, pushed through it. Oh yikes! The I'm author pleasant. is S T Abby, which spells out Stabby. Oh. It is a pseudonym. I thought I'm so sorry to derail. I thought you meant the knives were pushed through her hand. The nails, yeah. Yeah, the nails were pushed through her hand, <laughs> no, not the apple. the apple. Just the apple. <laughs> Less unpleasant than I thought. Go on. I just, I, I got really sucked into this series, though. Like, it's not high literature by any means. This is, this is the kind of series you start and you know, like, full on, like, this, this isn't good, but it's hella entertaining. And I'm going to finish <laughs> it all in 36 hours, <laughs> like 700 pages, 36 hours. I did it. I stayed up till 4 a.m. to finish this fucking series. Amazing. It a was. Champion. I, thank y'all. It, she, so, she's a serial killer. It's getting revenge for some things that happened to her in her past. And then she falls in love with the FBI agent. That's like. Classic. Yeah. Uh, so it's like Killing Eve, but less gay, I assume, as someone who's never watched Killing Eve. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> but very violent. Like every trigger warning for this series. Um, please, please don't go into this if you feel at all like any. I don't know. It's it's. There's a lot. Just read the content warnings. It's it's a lot. But I found it like to be surprisingly interesting. Look at uh, like getting over your like past demons and like grief and stuff and I was like wow like this is just I don't know this was a little deeper than I thought it was gonna be Mm. and then the other thing I'm reading that I'm proud to say I'm reading (laughs) it's a science fiction uh book called a memory called empire by by our Katie Martine and it is basically like um it's like Aztec empire in space it's Mm. really dense um, so I don't, I'm reading it very slowly because it's very hard for me as the kind of person I am to understand. Um, but it's, it's, it's basically the main character is going to this empire to replace the ambassador that died suddenly. And she has like every, everyone from her, like, I don't know. I don't want to say civilizations cause I think they're all humans, but just her from her place where she lives has these implants in their brains that retain all of the memories of their predecessors Mm. um 
but her predecessor died before he was able to upload anything so that's why there's this big mystery surrounding like why he died and stuff and i think it's a sapphic romance i think it's been on my tbr for a while so i'll have to check it out it's very good i'm like 20 percent of the way through but like i said it's kind of dense uh i don't usually read a lot of like hard sci-fi i don't know if this is even hard sci-fi <laughs> maybe i'm just a baby maybe i should just go back to my mindfuck series and mind my own business <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so that was me i was all over the place this week i mean you know we love it we love to be all over the place <laughs> we sure do we sure do <laughs> but uh this week we're in a very specific place and time and that place is the highlands in <laughs> the late 1200s yeah to early 1300s <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. Let's talk about it. Um, I put my copy of this. Oh, it's literally in my lap. Good job. Christ. Let me see your copy. Did we get the same covers? I think we... We got our books off Thrift Books because movie novelizations don't get a lot of reprints. (laughs) Don't get put onto Kindle for some reason. Yeah, we got the same cover. We got the same cover. It's a very beautiful cover of Mel Gibson. I... (laughs) Look, I don't get it. I don't get it. Everyone in this book was like, William Wallace is the most handsome man I've ever seen in my life. And then I look at Mel Gibson and I'm like, I would have picked someone else maybe. Do you think, did he know it was going to be Mel Gibson when he wrote the book? I don't know. Because he keeps calling, he's like blonde haired with green eyes, I think. So I I don't feel like he maybe had someone else in mind. I don't know. I'm not as up to date on my 90s heartthrobs. Like, my mind, because of the age I was in the 90s, goes straight to Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I do not think he was old enough. I don't think that would have been a good call either, (laughs) honestly, if I'm being quite honest with you. I think for several reasons, that probably would have been a no-go. Oh, is there some stuff about JTT? I don't know. No, I just mean that's not age-appropriate for Oh, okay. I thought you were saying he was along the lines of, like, Mel Gibson's whole personality, which I was like, oh, God. Just probably it wouldn't have been his brand to be in an R rated movie at that probably time. not yeah i don't know i don't think he'd go from home improvement to this mm-hmm. um for <laughs> but that's like the only like 90s heart thumb i can think of off the top of my head because of the age that i was in the 90s maybe leonardo dicaprio also a no-go i think i don't think that's a good thing. i feel like that would have been bad too no maybe, yeah I can... i'm trying to think who would who was hot in the 90s i'm just gonna google that real quick who was val hot kilmer in the 90s val kilmer was still hot in the 90s yeah, maybe. I don't know. He was a Batman. Oh, no. These are all women, you dumb Google. Who was hot man in 90s? Obviously. Oh, yeah. He was in Batman in 1995. So Val Kilmer was very hot in 1995. Um, What about... Yeah, Val Kilmer. Um, Man, it's just they're all so wispy is the thing. They're just all that is so the wispy. Thing. That was the 90s, huh? Keanu Reeves, that's just not going to work. It's simply who not was work. who was big and hunky in the nineties? <laughs> Let's Google big nineties hunks. <laughs> what about would Brad Pitt have worked? He's not that big, but he's blonde. He is blonde, and he does have that like. There's something about him that everyone rallies around. Yeah, he was in Troy, right? As some yeah, he some was soldier man. So you know, he could maybe was he that. Achilles? I don't know. I never saw Troy. We should read that novelization next. Um. (laughs) but in any case they went with mel gibson or mel gibson went with this this i don't know because it is a mel gibson film who who directed this shit 
Um, does it say on the back? No. A Mel Gibson film. Was it Mel Gibson? Was it, was it Mel Gibson? Did he direct this? I don't see any other director's names on the back of the book. Where it has... Yeah, it does say right here. Directed by Mel Gibson. Okay, well, that's, oh, why, well, that's, that's why, why he, he got Mel the lead Gibson, role. I guess. Wow. <laughs> wow. Mystery solved right there. <laughs> he was like, blonde hair? I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, We could have had a, uh, a Lawrence brother. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who was hot in the 90s anymore. It's been too long. Um, so the book does open up with a prologue that's from from the screenwriter slash author. He's like, I don't really know if any of this is true, but I fucking, I fucking love the passion behind this. So I'm going to make this the most passionate story you ever did here. I also really love how he's like, I might be related to him. It's like, babe. I you have the last name Wallace. You like, have the last name Wallace. And based on that, this is such classic American bullshit of like, isn't it? Like, I'm probably related to that guy. And in the book that you write, you explain 700 years, you explain how he and his entire family line were wiped out. How the fuck do you think mm-hmm. you're related? Uh, he to was him, probably bud? my uncle. He was probably. <laughs> no, all of his brothers died. What are you talking Here, about? Everyone is dead. Randall. He had. Unless you're saying you're a descendant of the Queen of England. Yes, that is, I think, what he, he literally, and is like, there's no way to tell if I, yes, there is common sense. <laughs> Just get on 23andMe, Randall, and see if, see if William also did the same. Literally, and then if he did, then you'll know. Literally on Randall Paulus's <laughs> Wikipedia page, it says, um, he wrote the, the film and the novelization of Braveheart, although he himself is not related to William Wallace. Like, Wikipedia oh, well, was like, no, absolutely. Wikipedia <laughs> but just like in the co- like i i half expected for there to be some loophole here of like william wallace having like a second secret family or something so that yeah but it's like okay, he actually did live in, into old age very peaceful end to his life like he just he lived forever his wife could have had the kid first like that could have been a thing you know that's true but he's just like no <laughs> no i'm gonna suggest nah. that i'm related to this man who has no living descendants at the time i don't want to have i don't want to have to have more women in this if i don't have to like two is enough right two's real two's good hold on to be fair there's three that's true there's three that's true nicolette i forgot about nicolette (laughs) that feels like a betrayal she feels like the best woman in this book she is yes (laughs) movie i guess i don't know um okay so william wallace is a little boy growing up with his dad his older brother uh, the King of England, who everyone calls Longshanks, which is just unfortunate. Just a I don't... great name for this man. Longshanks. It's because he's so tall. And has so such tall. Long such a tall shanks. man. <laughs> like, I love that that's the notable thing about him, too, instead of, like, being a baby murderer. Because that's, like, the other yeah. thing that they, they're like, well, the baby that was supposed to be Queen of Scotland died, and it might have been witchcraft from Longshanks. And it's like... Why is Longshanks the thing you're calling him? I guess it doesn't roll off the tongue as well, like King King Baby Killer. Oh, maybe it does. They kind of bring up a couple of times, like, do his own subjects call him Longshanks? And that's never really Are they allowed? Yeah. Yeah. Because all the Scottish folk call him Longshanks, which if you're trying to be insulting, why why that? That's a weird a The weird epilogue pull. seems to imply that... Well, no, he said he calls him Edward the Longshanks. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't know, man. Hey, 
British listeners get at us. Tell us let about us your long shanks. Let, yeah. let us know about your long shanked king. <laughs> Inform us about daddy long shanks. <laughs> Tell us about daddy long shanks. Is it rude? Is it, a, is, it a, is it rude that we are calling him long shanks? Is it disrespectful if to it the is, crown? I feel fine with that. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't feel like I owe the British Empire anything here. Like, <laughs> I would caution you, Anna, because apparently after Braveheart... <laughs> After Braveheart came out, people were really worried that people would be mean to English people over it. And I'm not making this up. People were like, this is anglophobic. And I just am like, who gives a shit? Like, All right. So let's start making movies about the rest of the history of the world then. And then we can decide. Like, like this. Then we can the decide British, if British people deserve to be mean to This mean paints the British in a very bad light. Like, oh, you don't say. Oh, my God. Oh, well, I, did, I didn't know they did it to white people. I just. I was fine when they did it to literally every other continent except Antarctica. I don't want to slander them here. Yeah. And leave the penguins there. Be. But man, you know, they were so mean to the Scots. And that really makes me think that maybe I that don't really like pisses British me people. Off. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. That was right it. I'll tell that you what. the one. I tell you what. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to desecrate Daddy Longshanks' stone. I don't. <laughs> anyway uh daddy longshanks tricked a bunch of scottish nobles into meeting up for like some truce talks or something but instead he just killed them all brutally and hung them from the rafters of this home super cool um william's dad is like shank move (laughs) classic longshank classic longshank william's dad is like hey let's gather up some other commoners that have heart and soul and love scotland and do a little rebellion just a and little light rebellion. As just a, a little light treason and rebellion. That's fine. Um, he and the older brother go off. They leave William behind and they die. <laughs> <laughs> um, William is taken in by his uncle Argyle. Is that really his name or did I make that, that up? That is his name. All that right. That is his name. And I was disappointed in the amount of Argyle we got. Because I was like, yes. What happened to him? This sock man is going to be very important for the whole book. And he simply was not. He simply, he disappeared as soon as William was married. He's like, I wipe my hands clean of this. He's a man now. He is a man grown. (laughs) And like occasionally come back and be a spiritual advisor for Mm -hmm. this man who's killing hundreds of people. And instead, instead it was that Irish dude who is like, I talk to God, I guess. And I was like, yeah, I I actually know literally God is right here and I'm talking to him right now. I I truly don't understand what's happening, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) If you say so. He's just the comedic relief in the movie that you need after all the slaughter. The thing that was so weird was that I was like, I know that this guy is comedic relief in the movie. Having not seen the movie, I can tell he's supposed to be comedic relief. It does not translate to this. This is just very weird vibes. It is. It, the whole the whole thing is like they're like the way that Hamish's dad keeps showing up with fewer and fewer body parts. I'm like, that's probably like a great visual gag. Maybe this is just morbid, but probably funny. But like, <laughs> I was like, this is fucked up. Um, Uncle Argyle comes, picks up William and Argyle's like this very learned church man. And he teaches William how to be the best Gary Stew. He knows how. <laughs> Hey, you know what another cool historical fact is about William Wallace? What's that? He probably wasn't a farmer who was like a poor commoner. He was probably like... noble? He was lesser nobility. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't told you the best historical inaccuracy in this, though, and I think I'm going to save that to the end. 
Okay, please do. Yeah, that'll be the big reveal. <laughs> I want the big reveal, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, are you going to tell me at the end of this that this is actually Twilight fan fiction? I'm going to lose yes. my goddamn mind. <laughs> no, Twilight is actually fan fiction of this. Oh, makes sense. <laughs> Once Bella dies, Edward turns off his emotions. Oh, wait, no, I'm mixing this up with Vampire Diaries. <laughs> One of the vampires. Who can say? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but before William goes to live with his unk, a girl named Murrin gives him a thistle while he's standing over his dad and brother's graves. And that, like, really resonates with him for the rest of his life. From what I can tell from having read nothing of the poem um, <laughs> on which this wife is based, it, uh-huh. her name's Marion. And I don't know why they didn't stick with that. Yeah. That's a name. Oh. Like, I don't know if it's maybe, th- this is my theory, that maybe Marion is like an English-er name oh, or something. Oh, yeah. So they went back to the... So they were like, Gaelic. no, 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 we got to go with Murin. And, okay. Is Gaelic what they spoke? Yes, Scots Gaelic. Okay. Any um, Murins out there, get at us. Let yes, us know. Let us know. Is that like a super Scottish name? I guess any yeah. Scottish people could just let us know. <laughs> I guess we could also just, just look it the up ones named Murrin. <laughs> I only want very first-hand accounts of this. Only Murrins may reply. Only Murrins, please. <laughs> Sorry, out, we're also check. bringing weird vibes to this episode check towards the end. I don't know what's happening to us. Check out my only Murrins account. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I signed up. I signed up on Murrin Mingle. <laughs> Coffee meets Murin. <laughs> We're so sorry. me. I'm so sorry any Murins we are for us basically just making fun of your name. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm only making fun of the Murin in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Some time passes. We Don't literally know. have only gotten through like the first two chapters. It's fine. I keep distracting us. <laughs> Uh, some time passes. Uh, we don't know how much time. And in England, the king's son, Prince Edward, is married to Princess Isabella from France. Mm-hmm. Uh, Long- Daddy Longshanks is not a good dude. We've discussed this already. He decides that to quell any further ideas of rebellion in Scotland, he will send more English lords that are like him, like very bad guys, up to Scotland and say they can do the whole prima noctis thing. Which probably isn't a real thing. <laughs> Absolutely wild. To me, I don't know how, like, what church signed off on that? It's it, like, so there's like a couple, a couple very vague accounts in the medieval time period of like this sort of thing, maybe kind of happening of like a higher class person having sex with a woman on her wedding night, like sort that you could vaguely sort of stretch to maybe meaning this but then like it like blew the fuck up like several hundred years later and everyone was running around Europe going like oh you know back in the day they used to fuck women on their like it was basically a complete made-up thing from the like 17 and 1800s is pretty much what it is uh talking about the past so not historically accurate this is (laughs) just like that made-up history they all they used to come up with they just did that in the Victorian ages I swear they were just like we're bored (laughs) we're bored this is science now but then also I mean like we do it now too like talking about the Victorian ages we're like oh you know that they used to put 
dust ruffles on piano legs so that you couldn't see the legs of the piano because people thought you'd get turned. That's also not true. That's not. That's, so, I mean, like, everybody's always doing this, just making shit up about, like. I always get horny looking at furniture. I don't know about you. But they didn't They didn't do that because that's a wild thing to... St- Absolutely wild. And much like that, they didn't do Prima Nocta. This isn't a... Everybody's like, it's so widespread. They did it all over, all Who's of the time. Who's got the time, first of all? Who's got the time? And Who's got like, the... Most likely what it was referring to, the thing that people think was Prima Nocta, is that like probably you had to pay like a bride price to mm. get married because commoners were basically slaves like you were tied to the land so like there is maybe some instance of that like you literally had to pay to get married but that why why would they why would this be a thing why would they be interested yeah it doesn't you would just end up with a very inbred town like what yes exactly (laughs) christ um also Prince Edward, the younger one, is he's secretly in a relationship with a man and has no interest in betting his wife, which is only slightly related to the rest of the story. I'm like, so uh, is this true? Why was this thrown out? Okay, so there is some evidence that suggests Edward II uh, was hooking up with his bestie. Like, that is perhaps accurate there was like some contemporary reference to it but Mm -hmm. mainly stuff said later um but also he did have four children in his marriage and at least one child outside of marriage so regardless of whether or not he was uh gay or what we would today call gay or bisexual doesn't doesn't really make the plot of this book make sense (laughs) Yeah, I don't, to him and this whole it was situation. such like, a weird thing to throw in because the only thing that happens with with this is like so Prince Edward is kind of like ineffective like Long, Daddy Longshanks sees him as like this weakling because he doesn't he doesn't know how to rule and I'm like well maybe Longshanks you should stop and teach your child how to maybe, do things maybe. instead of gentle just, parenting Longshanks yeah instead of just beating them so and then like later on in the movie he just full on throws Edward's lover out of a window mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the guy dies and and then Edward like becomes hardened but he's still very bad at everything he yeah. does and. There was some complaints at the screenwriter at Mr. Wallace about the portrayal of Edward II in this. And basically his response was like, well, I mean, of course there can be gay people who are also like good at the military. There's like Alexander the Great and stuff. But like Mm. that's not the story that I was – we weren't telling the story of Alexander the Great. We were telling the story of Edward II and he was gay and bad at the military. So it's not my fault that he conforms to these like weak effeminate role as a gay man that I'm presenting as a Mm. gay man and focusing on the fact that he's gay and bringing that up and being like that's the reason he can't have children, which is not accurate. (laughs) So it's a wild – inclusion (laughs) this is yeah it just felt like it just felt like you wanted to have this dramatic scene where someone got thrown out a window defenestrated yes and then and then like the part like isabella's parting shot i guess at the end but like this is adds nothing to the story of william wallace except to give him a legacy which i guess that randall's like i could be i could be royalty yeah, well, and I mean, even aside from that, it's like, oh, it, 
you know, that's kind of a thing of like, oh, the war hero died, but his son lives on sort of thing. And like, there is the like, gotcha of like, it's going to be William Wallace's kid on the throne eventually, you know. Um, but again, it's it's not historically accurate, and yeah. it just seems like a silly thing to include. It's like a very simple thing to look up because yeah. and I feel like this was very highly documented. And it's like uh, royalty was real serious about their bloodlines. The the we'll get into the Edward the Third. You just put a pin in the Edward the Third okay. stuff. All right. <laughs> um. William Wallace is now a man who returns to his village after traveling with Uncle Argyle for his entire childhood and young adulthood, I guess. Uh, He is just so strong and so good-looking and so Scottish. The women love him. The men wish they could be him. Fish fear him. It's Mm. the whole deal. He begins to court Murren, the girl with the thistle at the beginning, and they get married, but they do it in secret. Like, so secret, only, like, all of the former rebel, rebel people know, and they play their bagpipes for them. But Murren's parents don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she has to go back and live at their house every night. And they, and it's because of the Prima Nocta thing. And William Wallace is like, no other man will have you besides me. And I'm like, okay. All right. Well, great. I mean, I guess that's good that you don't want your wife to be raped. Like, good yeah. for you. Like, why don't you all just, like, not, like, don't don't tell people. That you, like, you can be married. Like, tell the parents. Like, or what are the parents going to do? Like, go tattle and be like, my daughter didn't have sex with you, noble man, on her wedding night. So you got to go fix that. Like, who's going to who's gonna tell? <laughs> Who here is for Prima Nocta? I need to know. Who in this town? I mean, they did have this scene where they had the wedding and, like, someone, the dude came and was like, I'm going to Prima Nocta the bride and, like, took her away yeah. to, like, set up why everybody was afraid of the Prima Nocta-ing. Yeah, but if they all hate it, they're not going to tell anybody. I don't know at what point bands posting became a thing, but that was, like, a thing at certain points in history that you did have to announce that you were getting married before you got mm. married, um, which is why elopement kind of became, like, a big thing later on. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, like, if you maybe if that was the thing of like, if they want to actually be like legit married, they have to post the bands first and then the dude would find out. But it just seems like a lot of unnecessary few like hiding of shit for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was again very unsatisfying. Like the way that the story went to me, <laughs> like you could there's so many things you could have done differently, but they didn't. But they didn't. Things go bad. Um, English soldiers attempt to like sexually assault Moran because she dared to be a beautiful woman in their vicinity. Um, and so William gets pissed and kills them. And he and Moran attempt to get away. William succeeds and Moran is caught and then she's killed. And William goes berserk and does a lot of murder because of it. Um, the thing about William is he's so he's so fucking tactical. He's such a good military man. He's so good at war. <laughs> uh so good at killing that he's just he's he keeps winning he's he's outnumbered outclassed doesn't matter he's untouchable plot armor he begins to amass a lot of followers the scottish rebellion grows um but the problem is that the scottish nobility is too cowardly to side with william or like they want to play both sides kind of see how it shakes out like oh we will like we will say yay go william go but then also if the english talk to us we'll be like oh no man we still pay homage to to daddy longshanks please this whole period of scottish history is very um a lot of people were flip-flopping a lot and Mm -hmm. not really committing to things so like i get they kind of like did this to make it some uh, i feel like it's like condensing a lot of like years of 
people going back and forth and trying to make it be about this one dude and it's like it wasn't really but that's fine it's fine (laughs) (laughs) uh so finally after a bunch of fights william um William and his army of mostly commoners go to this big battle in Sterling. Um, I guess, like, the nobility have gathered their forces there because the English are advancing. This is, like, the entire English force in Scotland. Um, and William gives his whole, like, they cannot take our freedom speech. Yay. Um, and, again, like, the Scottish nobility does not want to stand with William in open rebellion. But they are pleased that he has killed so many Englishmen. So he, he, go, he goes to the Battle of Sterling. He wins the Battle of Sterling. Like, he has long... Super long spears. Yep, big old, big old spears. To and that does it. He wins. <laughs> so he's eradicated the English threat in Scotland, and they give him the position of guardian of Scotland. He actually uh, was in charge of this army when they went to go do this fight. Just mm. all of the stuff about him, like coming in and being like, "No, don't listen to the nobles. Listen to me." Is like no. No, it was it was him and <laughs> you fully had Clarence here. Him and uh, Murray, who is eventually spoiler, he betrays them. Um, Murray really got like kind of the short shaft here because like Murray fully was not a traitor and mm. did die in battle. So like oh. a little bit, a little bit rude. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I was really, di- I really desperately wanted one of these nobles to be on William's side in mm-hmm. any way at all. Like Robert the Bruce is very like very ineffective person. Like he's the he's the younger. So Robert the Bruce, like the 18th or whoever, which the youngest one at this point in time, he kind of agrees with William and and agrees more so with William the further this book goes on. But he's like, you're right. Like we should fight with William, but Daddy Robert the Bruce is such a hard on for England. He's like, mm mm. This is what you're going to do. You're going to fucking betray William like a hundred times in this book. And William is never going to learn. Um, <laughs> and every uh, time you're going to sit there and be like, oh, no, I'm no. so sorry. I didn't mean it. I didn't. It, this, is, this isn't what I wanted. My daddy made me do it. But your dad is like dying in his bed. Why don't you just take the pillow and say, I'm just, the king now? I don't. I thought that was where this was. Because the point, the point that the older Bruce is like trying to make is like you have to make hard choices and do what's yes. best for it to get power. Right. So I was yes. like, oh. Obviously, in this incredibly ahistorical movie, how this is going to go is he's going to be like, you're right. I do have to make hard choices to get power and then kill his father. Right. Like that would make so much sense. But no, he just keeps doing the same thing over and over. And no no one ever learns. No one ever learns. It's very frustrating (sighs) because William is so he's so perfect. I guess that's his one flaw. His one flaw is trusting Robert the Bruce, the youngest. Just a fool. Idiot. Um, but for his next party trick, William is going to start invading England. They sack the city of York, burn it down. And they kill the cup. Co- they kill the governor who was Daddy Longshanks's nephew. And this makes Daddy Longshanks really angry. mad. He's so, He's so mad, mad at you. So mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daddy is displeased with you. Daddy doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. Daddy decides to send Princess Isabella as an emissary to try and, like, broker peace with William. William's like, 
no thanks. We don't want peace. We want to kill everybody in England. <laughs> and Isabella's like, mm, yes, I love your morals and your dick. Yes. Yes. That is like so hot to me. You have no You're idea. The hottest man I've ever seen in my oh. entire life. And William's like, you look a lot like my dead wife. <laughs> a love story for the ages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> princess is like mm, you hot hunk of man i'm gonna have a piece of you someday in like maybe an hour runtime. we'll see <laughs> <laughs> uh when isabella gets back to london she learns that even though Longshanks had sent her to broker peace with williams he totes didn't mean it like <laughs> daddy Longshanks. Ruse. yeah he is also up here doing some some shady business he's sending his troops from france because, of course, England is fighting France. Whatever. He's sending his troops from France, combined with some Welsh fighters and some Irishmen, to do some ambush in Scotland. And they're going to use crossbows, which is a huge deal because they have been decried by the Pope. <laughs> Literally, I could not stop thinking that as I was reading this book. It's, 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 Pope decries crossbows. It's a very weird coincidence. We were last night looking at articles of things the Pope has decried in this modern age. And it's yeah. a lot of things. Um, but yeah, he decried po- crossbows apparently back in ye oldie times. <laughs> They're just too powerful of a weapon. And you know what? That's fair, Pope. You, I, that's fair. But no, but I guess like the Pope has no authority over Daddy Longshanks. He's like, we're going to go to the Danes and they're going to make them for us. I was also confused. Like, what is, were the Danes, what was their deal? Why were they not listening to the Pope? Like, why why did they not recognize the authority of the Pope? Pope decries Danes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not super up on my church history. So maybe they weren't. Were they? Were they? Like, I don't were know. Were they doing their Viking stuff still then? So they maybe, maybe they weren't doing Catholicism or Christianity maybe. of any that kind. That could be it. But yeah. I feel like by t- the late 1200s, they should have been suppressed by the Christian religion. But I could be so, wrong. the The fact that people existed in the 1200s like boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very American. Like I people have only existed for 200 <laughs> years. How is this? What? It- <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my, my concept of history is absolutely fucked i don't understand it at all <laughs> dinosaurs and then american revolution i don't nothing happened between that um, oh no <laughs> uh so i'm like wow people lived in houses <laughs> this is surprising to me <laughs> uh anyway they do a big fight and um so Oh, also, Isabella, she's able to secretly get word to William that this is happening. And she apologizes. She's like, I'm sorry. He made me into a pawn. I didn't mean it. Um, And then they do the big fight. And even they even get some of the Scottish nobles to show up with their armies. But once the fighting begins, William and the commoner rebels are betrayed by all the nobles, Mm -hmm. even Robert the Bruce. Fuck that guy. Yeah, Mornay, just, like, straight up, just, like, they all turn and slowly walk off the field. Like, what? <laughs> Deuces, like, flips in the bird. <laughs> and then we get a small cut, and Daddy's like, yeah, I paid him. <laughs> <laughs> um, William is injured by crossbow, but he escapes the field of battle and isn't heard of for some time. Daddy Longshanks rests easy, feeling that he has finally stopped the Scottish rebellions. He's killed William Wallace, because who, who could survive this shot to the gut that William took. Well, William Wallace could. <laughs> we don't get how. So so they're like, yeah, he. it's winter. Like, this guy is going to bleed out and freeze to death. Like, there's no other option. 
we don't get to see what happens. No. It's just time passes and William's there in France. He's like, fuck you. I'm William yeah. Wallace. <laughs> Maybe it's just an imposter at this point. Maybe. I don't know. You know, that makes as much sense as anything else in this story. Yeah. <laughs> William goes to France and he's like, hey, man, I just want to, f- I just want the chance to fight Daddy Longshanks because I fucking hate that guy. And the king of France is like, okay, you're my general now. But this literally only lasts like hours like because then seconds. This, the minute William Wallace is given any authority in France, seconds before this himbo can fuck it up. This other general comes up who is like, he's a relative of the king of France, blood relation. Um, and he starts goading William and like trying to get him into a fight. And William, instead of just like disarming this guy or like knocking him out, just straight up breaks his neck. Which, and then he is sent to jail. I mean, that's a power move for sure. Truly. <laughs> this guy, like, got out his little dagger and he's like, hey, let's fight. Yeah, and instead of, like, <laughs> yeah. And then William was like, I don't think so. Crack. <laughs> now, okay. To be fair, he did threaten him with the dagger for, like, a bit before William Wallace yeah. was like, you're annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> In the way that you, like, swat a fly. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't. Um. Isabella then shows up in France. She hears about William's predicament and is like, why don't you just send him to the Pope? The Pope will forgive him. And then you can wipe your hands clean of this incident without having to kill a man you admire, being William, for killing a man that everyone seemed to hate, that dead French guy. This also, number one, none of this happened. But number two. Um, <laughs> this was the stupidest It was so much just to prove the point that no one was going to come help Scotland. Which is like, you could yeah. have done that in other ways by them. I don't know. Responding to the letters that you established earlier in yeah. the plot that you had sent. If they had sent those back and been like, eh, fuck you. Um, yeah. Could have done that. But you didn't. Just you did show us this- a series of montages of William opening up letters and looking really sad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, instead, you have to have this like switcheroo with the murder and the Pope. Like, okay. Uh, but also. Oh, Okay. So Isabella was sent there by Daddy Longshanks to mm. get him to come back to like she was supposed to. That's right. She was supposed, she was supposed to, to go to get William, to to get back, William to back to England so that he could be executed mm-hmm. in England. So what the fuck did she tell the king? Like, how is the king not picking up on this when she keeps going to William? She's so obvious. To be like to try to get him <laughs> to do things that the king wants and she keeps coming back and be like oops he got away again and she's oh my gosh it failed again William Wallace is a legend and Daddy Longshanks is like Isabella you have a beautiful tactical mind Edward listen to your wife it's like she's done nothing I wish you were my son she's done nothing to help you I don't understand she's undermining you at every turn I know oh my god at the beginning of the book too like there, there's like this foreshadowing kind of where, where the author is like, and nobody would know, or she wasn't schooled in politics, but that was the area in which she excelled the most, and nobody yeah. would know. It was too late until it's too late. I'm like, but all she did was like fuck a dude. <laughs> That's okay. There's also like I feel like Wallace, the author, is trying very hard to make Isabella like a cool cool boss girl in this scene especially where she goes back to france and she's talking to the king who i was very unclear is she his daughter because i think at one point at one point they say niece and at one point he's like 
you are my favorite daughter. I am your father. And I was like, but you just said niece. I don't know. So I was very Yeah, I don't know. Is it like he, as the king, everyone is his child? But I, I think know. it must be his actual. I think niece might have been the mistake because like daughter would make more sense because she's in the line of succession. Right? Yeah. So like. Yeah, which is why they wanted her for the. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I think he she's his daughter, but I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Because he just like goes why not both on uh, maybe goes on about like she was the best dot like she was the best as a kid like I loved spending time with her even though I wasn't allowed to as the king and she is a princess and we she would come up and ask me questions and I'd just be like mm, so smart Isabella just the smartest smartest little pumpkin in the pumpkin patch and you're just oh I hated sending you to England I hated it I know you're so unhappy there but you're you're just I'm like you're doing too much to pump up this girl who is not the main character. Like, yeah, yeah, this is a, the, not even the main love interest of this movie. That's the dead girl. who (laughs) She's the regretted one. Right. Like, it's so weird how much they're trying to girl power Isabella in this movie, which, pin in that, pin in that. (laughs) Uh, William goes to the Pope. The Pope absolves him of all his sins, but he refuses to help out with the problem in Scotland. So now William is real pissed. He goes back to Scotland and starts killing the nobles. <laughs> Mornay is the first one. I don't understand this scene. William Wallace apparently got on his horse, rode it all the way up to the tallest tower mm-hmm. wherever this guy was sleeping, cut off his head, Threw a blanket over his horse and then jumped out a window into some water. Jumped out a window on the horse. On the horse. He and the yeah. horse jumped out the window into the into lake. Into some water. And lived. And lived. Okay. Um, okay. <sighs> Whatever. He starts building his commoner army back up. Some more, some more fighting happens. And Princess Ella Be- Isabella, like manages to finagle her way into into trying it's like into being the key component of this ambush on William Wallace. She's like, I'll go there with some assassins and we'll get the job done. But she's like, wink, I love you, William. Wink wink. On the way there, she has everybody like basically loudly talk about what they're going to do. And mm-hmm. she's like, I'm going to plan an assassination in the barn of very and then I'll tell William to meet me at the barn, a very safe place and not at this other place. So then William's like, obviously, I will destroy this barn and go to the other place. And I'm like, why was any? I mean, I know why this part was necessary (laughs) so that she could get knocked up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at this point, Isabella's, like, entirely on William's side. Like, there's no loyalty at all to England. She does, she hates Daddy Longshanks. She hates her husband. Um, and then she will, – William meets up with her at this, like, property she has in Scotland. And then they fuck. And she becomes pregnant with this kid, presumably. Like, she sells it as, like, hey, wouldn't it be great to get one over on the king by having his grandkid not yes. be his grandkid? Like, wouldn't it be great to cuckold the prince, essentially? Yes. Um and Mom's also like, love that idea. <laughs> there's this whole like subplot almost of like William has dreams of Marine, Morin, Marian, whatever the fuck her name is. Um and like he uh, you know is having like these cool dreams of her and then he stops having the dreams after they fuck basically. Yeah. And it's like And then okay. he feels like real sad and he's about like, everything. "Oh man, that that was an oopsie." It's like my biggest regret is fucking that princess. <laughs> Damn. Dang. Dang. 
Um, and then the last like really big thing to happen is that Robert the Bruce summons William to his castle. I guess under the impression that he's going to like, he's going to tell William, like, I'm on your side. Let's band together. I will, I will become king of Scotland. I'll rally the troops and we will fight off this English threat. But Robert's dad's like, uh, 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 and he and the other nobles all kind of team up and do an ambush on William. They capture him because he like left his sword at the door. He's like, I don't need a sword here. We're here for, for peace talks. And I know Robert the Bruce is, is, um, noble, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. William gets captured. They send him to London. William is brutally tortured and then killed. Isabella's like, well, I'll get some kind of revenge because as long as Shanks is dying, I'll be like, hey, I'm pregnant, but not with Edward's kid who never even had sex with me. Your line ends with Edward. And I'll find a way to make sure he doesn't live long. And then I guess Robert the Bruce is like, guess I have to be William Wallace now. And he, he fights for Scotland's freedom against his daddy's wishes. And they do it. And they do the thing. Mm-hmm. And then and then we get this, like, the epilogue where, mm-hmm. again, the author is like, mm, I love my I love my Uncle William Wallace. <laughs> but he says that, like, in the Tower of London where William Wallace was held, I guess in this particular tower, they call it Wallace Tower. I'm like, that's fucked up, right? <laughs> it's fucked up to name part of your prison after do a dude you tortured for rebelling against your country like that is this like is this like a diss yeah are are the english still like fuck william wallace and everything he stands for we're naming his jail cell after him (laughs) yeah but you know we don't want to inspire anglophobia oh my god that's fucked up (laughs) and daddy longshanks goes down in history as a good king which, Whatever. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> I'm so mad. Are you Every- ready for the thing yes. that is most historically inaccurate about this book? Yes. Yes. Tell okay. me. So a big plot point of this book and a big like way to show that William Wallace's legacy lives on is in addition to freeing Scotland through dying, much like Christ, another figure that uh, oh, Gibson Lord. would compare himself to. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm just saying there are certain themes in Gibson's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> this, this epilogue also contains Isabella, Queen of England, had a son. The boy who became Edward III was nothing at all like the man who is listed in the royal registry as his father, implying, of course, that this is, in fact, William Wallace's son, and therefore William Wallace's line, in fact, lives on. Um, so there's a few problems with this. Number one, Edward III was not born until seven years after William Wallace died. So there's a little okay. bit of an oopsie there. <laughs> that is probably not. It probably wasn't him. Um, <laughs> Isabella did, in fact, have, like, very notoriously did have an affair with someone who was not her husband. In fact, plotted against and was successful in plotting against her husband in order to get her son on the throne with the help of her lover. So, like, hey, good for her. Isabella is a boss, like, for real. Yeah. But... Um, It was not William Wallace at all. Uh, And in fact, at the time of the uh, Battle of Falkirk, um, Isabella was not married to Edward II. She was in France being a (laughs) three-year-old. Okay. This, um, okay. I know, I know I live a good, like, 30 years in the future almost, right? Uh Uh-huh. These, these seem to me to be very easily verified facts. <laughs> like, 
I, th- th- there's a thing at the beginning of this <laughs> where Mr. Wallace is like, who can say if this is the true story or not, but it's the story that lives in my heart. And it's like, I like, totally Everyone get, could. I, exactly. I totally <laughs> get if you need to fill in some gaps. That's not a gap, buddy. That's a, yeah. You're taking a lot of creative liberty there. It's so weird that he was like this is some real weirdo shit that he was like (laughs) like not only do i need to insert this affair between the queen of england and this rebel scott but it needs to like like it you could have you if you needed to do that you could have i don't know have it be with fucking daddy longshank's wife i don't know but or just a random court lady like you could have done that yeah the, the necessity for him to have a child like for him to cuckoo his way into the royal family like kick out edward the second and plop his own egg in there like what are you what is the message? What are we supposed to take away from that? Like, it's not enough. It's not enough that he started a rebellion and saved his country because he's a huge nationalist, which, again, wasn't a thing at the time that this is taking place. But OK, nationalism, woohoo. Like, that's not enough. No, 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 no. He also has to secretly be the father of the next king of England. And it's like, what? And in doing William that, Wallace can do nothing wrong. In doing that, in doing this stupid Gary Stew as bullshit, like you are taking away the story of a woman who is actually like did some insane shit and like again yeah. fully plotted against her husband to I take over the throne and put her thirteen year old on the throne. Like that's Ugh. insane. Can we, like, can we write that movie and call it Braverheart? <laughs> Well, there is a sequel to Braveheart that exists. What could it possibly be about? He's dead. He dies in this movie. <laughs> it's about uh, the, uh, Robert the Bruce, I believe. Oh, Let me double okay. check this. There was a, a sequel, a spinoff sequel, Robert the Bruce from 2019. So, yeah. I mean, like, okay. they did it. They fully did do a, a sequel wow. to Braveheart. <laughs> really long time and after. They should have called it Braveheart. Braveheart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also want to share from this epilogue, uh, not to drag this author too much, but <laughs> he goes to visit um, he goes to visit a church that probably would have been standing when William Wallace was mm-hmm. taken to London and executed. Uh, and he says he thanks God for William Wallace. Okay. And he wonders if William Wallace was just as grateful that the author had found his story and decided to make a hit movie based off it. And then and then he says, and then something strange happened. I can't say that I saw him. It may be an overstatement even to say that I felt his presence, but I felt that I could talk to him there. And so I thanked him personally. You know what this is? <laughs> you know what this is? What? This is fucking Nicholas Sparks all over again. Oh, no. <laughs> Just writing a prologue and epilogue. <laughs> inserting himself in the fucking story. We don't And then we get this. a reader's note that's like, JK. JK, I never went to Scotland, actually. <laughs> actually, William Wallace was not even a person. <laughs> It's just, I am not, I I know that I've been saying a lot of like, oh, this was historically inaccurate, whatever. Like, I am, in reality, if it is a good story, I'm fine with taking a few historical liberties here and there. Like, you know, whatever. But just like (laughs) the stuff, the stuff that he chose to insert as things that were not correct and then pass it off as if it's like, this is what really happened. It's like, 
the Prima Nocta stuff, not accurate. The Isabella being this weird, just falls at the feet of William Wallace stuff, not accurate. The weird cuckoo bullshit, not accurate. Like, the stuff that he is choosing to add that's not accurate. Like, there are people complaining about, like, oh, they didn't wear kilts at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I don't give a shit about that because people, <laughs> you know, people now associate kilts with the Highlands. Like, that's a, a, a signal to modern audiences, much in the yeah. way that, like, a lot of costuming now will use modern trends to signal stuff in costume, in period pieces, right? Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like in Bridgerton and whatever, you know, like that the costumes are not historically accurate, but they make sense to a modern audience, which is who you are, you know, making yeah. the thing for. So that's fine. I don't care about that. But why are you why are you doing why did you do this? Why did you do this? I don't get it. I don't understand. It was a lot. It was a lot. And I feel like maybe if I had seen this movie if I was an adult in the 90s and had seen this movie at the time it came out, I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, it's a fun war movie. And oh, so inspirational. But like, it's very 90s. But boy, do I feel angry towards the British. God, I hate those Brits. God, those, <laughs> those darn Brits. It's just it's just very the things that were changed are very um, American. I feel like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But that was Braveheart. Yeah, it was definitely is definitely more book mm-hmm. than screenplay, and mm-hmm. and I I did appreciate that more. I I enjoyed reading this more yeah. um, than I did the other book. I think. Um, but yeah, I would. I think I I prefer a different story. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see what the third uh, third one in this unit yeah. is. Yeah, I'll have to think about it. Maybe a more modern ones, and like they're not written as as frequently. Yeah, maybe. Um, but before we get to that, no, before we get to that, uh, let's talk about what we got coming up immediately next. Uh, next week we are going to be starting our mini unit, our mini, uh, long form. See, it's hard because it's like our long form series, but it's a mini long form. So we're going to be doing our second, uh, series on the podcast with the first book in the Golden Compass series. Or in the His Dark Materials series, His which Dark, is yeah. the Golden Compass. <laughs> Confusing. <laughs> um, yeah, so we will be doing that whole series every week, every other week, until we are done with it. Um, and then the week after that, we're going to be back with our literary submitted grab bag unit. Yes. With a book that was recommended to us by... Sam, one of our British listeners. Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be reading The Sisters Grimm by Mena von Prague. Uh, so that'll be the week after that. Hooray! In the meantime, if you have any books or units you'd like us to cover on the podcast, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Um, otherwise... Daddy Longshanks is going to come get (laughs) you. If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. In the words of Randall Wallace, but on that night, as William Wallace's cries of grief tore from within that barn and across that empty valley, the stars stopped singing. The thistles faded, the brooks ceased their laughter, and the once beautiful locks 
at least for him, became but great puddles of tears. Like, I know that this is really sad, but also that's just so overdramatic. <laughs> the man suffered. He suffered. Now that we know, you've told us a little bit about Braveheart's history, maybe, contentious, mm. possibly. What about what about movie novelizations? What you got? Oh, gosh. I totally forgot that I was supposed to do that. Oh, no. Hold it's on. fine. Hold on. Maybe we can cut that. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see if I can find something real quick. What an excellent question, Anna. <laughs> Glad I asked. 